Honesty, how are ye? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast, episode 43. But welcome to Battle of Ventry, part two. This is a multi-part epic that we're telling for the very first time. If you'd like to support how we make these podcasts, you can support us by going to patreon.com forward slash Candlelit Tales and throwing us a few quid or enough for a coffee or a pint, whatever you think it's worth. And we really appreciate anything you can give us. So, without further waffle from me, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the Battle of Entry, part two. Oh, and before I forget, we do recommend that you listen to this podcast, this series of podcasts with headphones. All the way from Murrayk in the north, right the way down to Ventry Bay, the fires in all the forts in Kirkagwina burned hot, as they were plundered and ruined by the King of Spain and his men. All their provisions were ransacked and stolen, and the screams sounded across the hills and coastline along the peninsula as people ran for their lives. Near the Bay of Entry, one man was watching the carnage below. He was old and stiff, a man of a number of years older than most, and he worried for his son, who had been sent as a lookout for the Fianna, atop on Count Traw to overlook the Bay of Entry. His name was Bran McFiowl, and he knew his fresh-faced son, Con Crither, was supposed to alert the Fianna of any invaders, but no signal had sounded. No sign of any army was coming, and he wondered what was going on, so he ventured out to look down at what was happening. He saw an enormous fleet on the beach of Ventry Bay, and gasped in astonishment. But the gasp went down through his feet as he saw his own son running headlong at the mass of bodies near the beach. But to his stunned amazement, they all ran away from him. Now Bran did not see the magical host that surrounded his son, Con Crither. Bran stood gazing at his son in amazement as he went jumping from one fleeing man to the next, cutting them down, men falling before him like wheat before a sigh. But Bran knew he could not take on the whole army on his own. His son needed help, and fast. The size of that great army would engulf Ireland surely. There was only one he could go to to ask for the help that would be needed. He reluctantly turned his stiff joints away from Ventry Bay and he ran as best that he could, hoping that he might, against all odds, bring back the help his son would surely need. 
Daradun, the king of the world, sat on his flagship, overlooking Ventry Bay. Wide and white was the sand, and all the water of the whole bay was filled end to end with the ships of his fleet. But up on the beach, there was a disturbance. He called his Irish guide, Gloss McDrowan, to come to him. And the pair of them watched. They saw the raiders who had been sent to provision the army rushing towards them as though they were pursued by an army in their turn. And running behind them, picking off stragglers left and right, darting and weaving in among them, was one man, alone. Daradon turned to Gloss McDrowan and asked him, Who is this great hero? Is this one of the Fina of whom I've heard so much? Oshin, or Oscar, or Jimmet, or perhaps one of the brothers MacMorna, Gull, or Conan Whale? But Glass McDrowan shook his head. That is no one I know, he said. So Dara Dunn sent Glass McDrowan to find out who this young warrior was. To see why a whole army was fleeing before him. And Glass experienced a strange thing. He walked from deck to deck across the boats that covered Ventry Bay. But as soon as his foot landed on the white sands of the beach, he looked up and he saw a second army bearing down. And when he leaped back into the boats, it was gone. An illusion. But the illusion had been good enough to send the army of the King of Spain fleeing back to the boats. And as he watched, Gloss McDrowan saw the warrior on the beach squaring off against the King of Spain himself. Blows were traded in fierce combat. But in the end, it was the blood of the King of Spain that stained the white sands. Gloss came up onto the beach and hailed the man. I've been sent from the King of the World to find out who you are. Who am I? My name 
is Concritter, son of Bran McFiowl, King of Tara Lucra. Who are you? You're an Irish man, and you speak to me after coming from the enemy. You're from Tara Lucra? You're the son of the King of Tara Lucra? I'm from there. That's my clan you're talking about. Why are you fighting on the side of these invaders if you're my cousin? What are you doing here? I had to run away from Ireland because of Fionn McCool. He was furious at me for something I got mixed up in. Don't you know Fionn McCool will come to terms with you no matter what you did? He'd come to terms with anybody. He might have set you a quest or a trial, but he's a reasonable man. You know, you have a point. I was the one really who was involved probably would have forgiven me. Especially if I were to switch sides and come and fight with you now. What do you think? Gloss McDrowan return to Dara Dunn, the king of the world. He told him the name of the man on the beach. And then he said, Your Majesty, this is a little bit awkward. I've spoken with the warrior on the coast there, and well, I've decided to turn my back on you and fight against you to go and fight with him. You see, it's very hard to fight against your own country now that I've seen it and being invaded by the raiders and such. Well, I just don't have the stomach to fight Ireland. I thought I would. I hope you can understand. I will not fault you for that, though you'll die in the end like the rest of them. But do me this favor. At the end of every day, bring me an account of who in my army has been killed and by whom on the side of this Fina. Gloss agreed to the terms of Dara Dunn. And Gloss went back to the beach to stand with Con Crither. And shoulder to shoulder, the two Irishmen called out to the army to send them two champions. And two were produced. And the fight was but short before Con Crither and Gloss McDrowan slew their foes. And cocky now, they called for two champions apiece to be sent against them. And from the armies of the King of the World, two were found to go against each of the Irishmen. But again, they were victorious. And then Gloss McDrowan called out. Send me the King in the Marshes. Remember that lad who claimed he could conquer this island single-handedly? <laughs> that didn't sit well with me in the council. It doesn't sit well with me today. So I'd like to make him eat those words. The King of the Marshes came forth to face Gloss McDrowan in battle. 
and their swords clashed in a flurry of blows, and up and down the strand they battled. But in the end, it was Gloss McDrowan who was victorious. And the king of the marshes breathed his last on the white sand. And Con Crither brought his cousin, Gloss McDrowan, back to the healing well that was hidden away in the hills. Now Bran went to one of those round hills, one that was a bit too round to be quite right, one of those that was a little bit too regular, one that was dotted all across the island of Ireland like many other. And Bran was one of those who knew that these types of hills were passageways to the other world, passageway of the Fae. The Tua Dei, those ever-living folk and beings that live still just beyond the veil within those hills deep underground. And Bran walked up to the mound of Shasnan. He knew the king of this hill from times gone by, but he didn't quite know how to get in and so he introduced himself. My name is Bran McFiol, King of Jaralukra, and I have come for urgent help that is needed from the people of Ireland, the help of Shasnan and the people of the Fae. We need your help. Please, let me in. Bran bowed his head in dismay, not knowing what to do. But suddenly, the hill opened wide and Bran fell and then tumbled down deep under the ground. The huge hill that now surrounded him was full of light. Music wafted over his ears a tune that made his foot want to tap and his fingers begin to click and twitch. But even one click in time he knew would begin his hips to move and sway in a way that he knew would not be able to be stopped in any way he would lose his mind to the fairy music. So he composed himself as he saw creatures of all shapes and sizes meeting his eyes, tall and some beautiful, some folk others were small and had scale-like skin, gremlin-like features, the ugly, the fair, the wicked and the wonderful faces gleamed at him and many made offerings of drinks at delicious foods as he walked by in amongst the mingling crowd with music going and flowing. So many of them were merry, but Bran refused to take a single bite or taste a single drop for fear of losing himself to the benevolent host. As he looked at the crystals and emeralds lighting the roof and leading his way to the topmost table in this beautiful banquet, he finally spied the king of this fairy mound, Shasnan, 
when he approached his host, greeted him with a friendly smile. How are you? Have a drink. Come over and have a drink, Bran McFowl, my old friend. Once more, Bran refused to take a drink from Shasnon. Worried he might insult his host, he urgently asked for help. He explained to him the dire need that they were in and the fate of Ireland. They were in need of a mighty force to help face this devastating crowd that was coming to invade them. No one could possibly stand against the king of the world, not without the help of the Fae of Ireland. Shasnon interrupted him then and said, Right, yeah, no, that 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 sounds that's that's fair enough. No, that that sounds like a job. That's um, it's not my job, you see. So, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you now what we'll do. I'll tell you what we'll do. You now, I'll send my son. Come here to me. Come here to me, now. The king pointed and gestured towards his son, Dalve, to make ready to leave. You can go. You go to Bov Darug. He's the king of the Fae. You go to him and you tell them the stuff, the, what, what, he, what he said. And then he'll do all the things. The, he's the king. He'll do the king things. And I'll stay here and I'll do my job. It's a very important job. Which is, we'll have, we'll have another drink. You'll sit down there now, Bran, and you'll have a drink with me. Go on. Bran decided to leave while he still had his wits about him. But he watched the king's son, Dalve, put on his sweeping travel cloak and leave the feasting mound behind him. And he did wonder and worry for the sake of Ireland. Diardov came to Ventry Bay. She saw the giant army amassed on the beach and she went pale. Her stomach fell like it hit the floor but she knew what to do and ran where Fionn and the Fianna were gathered and waiting for the word. The seven battalions of the Fianna had arrived at at swim two birds. And when Diardov came and looked at Fionn and told him what she had seen, Fionn gave the quick orders for the rest of the Fianna to begin their march towards Ventry Bay at once and to be ready for a fight like they had never had before. They moved without haste. Three men of the Fianna went out ahead, too eager to wait Oshin, Fionn's own son, his son, Oscar of the Many Feats, were accompanied by Quilta Agronon, brave thing man. They went to meet the fresh-faced Khan Critter and his new friend, the Glass McDrone. When they got there ahead of the rest of the host of the Fianna, Glass and Khan sat down for a few short moments to tell Oshin and Quilta what had happened, while Oscar suddenly overcome with exhaustion threw himself down in a heap 
grab a few moments to sleep. The men heard a shout coming towards them from the coast, an army leaving one of the ships sent out by the king of the world to pillage and plunder for provisions. The men of the Fianna wondered if those voices were really human at all and worried for their own safety to be outnumbered such. Oscar awoke with a jerk. After only a few moments sleep, he took his sword in one hand, newly refreshed, he took the shield in his other, and rooting his feet firmly down into the ground, he glared at the horde approaching him. He struck his shield with his sword, building up his battle rage, determined to display the many feats he had gathered on the men of the army coming towards him then. He ran down and circled all around this great army so that not one of them could get away as Oshin and Quilta, Glass and Khan marched behind him. They ran at one angle while Oscar cut his way through the men, a great battle, but they were so outnumbered then not one of them could see a way of getting towards the centre where the king of these men was standing. Balkan, the king of France, was sure he could defeat these few men coming to fight him then. But he did not know Oscar of the many feats could be so vicious in the fighting as he cut ten men down in the way as Balkan took up his sword then to enter the fray. He was locked in fighting with Oshin for a moment and Balkan threw him down to the ground as Gusker of the many feats saw his father being thrown to the ground. He felt his anger course through his veins from the tip of his toe right through his fevered head. He cut the men down through the army until he marched straight towards Balkan. There was nowhere for him to hide, nowhere to run, as Oscar of the Many Feats went quickly working his way, killing the men steadily all around the king. Balkan's eyes went wide for fear of Oscar, as he was soaked in the blood of his men from the army. So Balkan looked to the skies. He lost his mind in a moment, and something strange then happened. He stretched his neck up to try and get away from Oscar, and then his back and body stretched high and long and thin, and then his feet lost their footing on the ground and went up, 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 and his new insanity lifted him, shrieking all the way to the sky in full view of all of the armies of the world, all for the fear of Oscar of the many feats watched him till he turned into a gust of wind and went blowing through Glown Bokhan, now known as Glown Nigyal, the Valley of the Insane. The Fianna arrived shortly after, with their chariots and their banners flying high in the wind. It was a mighty sight to behold. They set up their camp and in a ring fort that got its name to this day as Ra Fionn, the Ra Fort of Fionn. Dara Dun, the king of the world. He was called up on deck. A strange sound had been heard. 
stranger than the sounds of battle that had been going on. It started as a low resonance. It seemed to roll out from the sand dunes beyond the beach. It built up and up and up until it seemed to be coming from all of the hills and the sky and the sea and the land itself seemed to be ringing with what he gradually realised was a song a song sung by many voices high and low a song that seemed to be sung by the land of Ireland itself and as he listened and as he watched from the deck of his ship he saw a disturbing sight there was movement in the sand So much movement where before there had been stillness. And his eye could not make sense at first of what it was that he was seeing. Because they did not come when they came, as he had expected them to. Dara Dunn had expected the warriors defending this land to march up carrying shield and spear, marching in ranks and lines. But they did not. They came in ones and twos. They stepped softly, out of shadows. And here his eye would be caught by one with a gleaming sword. eye would be caught by a bright flash of red hair. And although they seemed to come in ones and twos and threes, when he looked up from these small details, the king of the world could see. The land was alive now. This place that had been empty was now full. And it was full of warriors. Tall and proud and handsome. Men and women. Carrying in their hands great weapons. And all of them. Singing. the Fianna had done, and in particular what Oscar had done to his ally the King of France. The King of the World summoned the sons of Garum, nine great warriors, whose loyalty to him he had something 
of a question about the eldest Dalar Dorfa and the greatest warrior among them the king of the channels he held back and the other eight sons the king of the world sent with 1600 men to attack the Fianna while they slept to destroy them if they could and Dalar Dorfa asked the king of the world why would you send my brothers and not me when the nine of us together will be unstoppable never mind why do as you were ordered by your king Daradun, the king of the world and Dalar Dorfa the king of the channels kept watch from the ship of the king of the world but in the darkness they could see nothing they could hear the sound of a battle terrible battle on Ventry Beach the sound of weapons clashing, bones breaking, the screams of the wounded, the throes of the dying. The king of the world watched Dalardorfa with satisfaction as the warrior stood beside him, his knuckles whitening and lightening as his fists clenched by his sides, but he held himself still by the oath he had once sworn to the king of the world, though his hatred for this king and this situation blazed in every line of his body. When the sun rose in the east, they could finally see, and what they saw was a scene of carnage. All of the warriors that the sons of Garav had brought with them were dead. All of the defenders from the Fianna who had held the beach against them were dead. There were only five figures left alive. And Daradun could see these were the great heroes of the Fianna that he'd heard tell about. Two of them. Oshin, son of Fionn Makul, was in battle with one of the sons of Garov. And Oscar, son of Oshin, was in combat with two. And they were all that was left. And as they watched in that soft dawn light, Oscar of the Fianna, killed two of the sons of Garov. And he himself fell, exhausted, wounded near to death. Daradun looked across at Dollar Dorfa to see if his composure would crack, but it did not. 
the warrior's eyes were still fiercely fixed on the last of his brothers left alive, battling with Oshin, son of Fionn Macool. And the two warriors on the beach, as if by silent agreement, threw down their weapons and grappled one another. And then the son of Garav began to drag Ushin towards the water, meaning to drown him. But to his surprise, Ushin of the Fianna offered no resistance, pulled him as much as he was being pulled. Ushin had no fear of drowning. And the two warriors stood to their waists in the water with the waves breaking around them. And as their blood dyed the waters around them, they bent themselves to the task of drowning the other. Daradun and Dalardorfa saw another man come down the beach. And Dalardorfa tensed even more if it was possible. But this man did not join the fight. Instead, he took out his harp and he began to play a lay of the deeds of Oshin of the Fianna. Sang to him of all his glories. Sang to him of all his victories sang to him that this was not the end of his story, that more still waited for Oshin, son of Fionn Macool. And hearing this, Oshin was heartened, reinvigorated, and they saw, and Dalardorfa saw, his brother drowned in the shallow waters of Ventry Bay. And Ushin, with his golden hair plastered to his forehead, come laughing out of the waves, laughing in triumph, clasping hands with his brother, Fergus Fionvale, the bard who had sung the heart back into him rushing to the side of his son, carrying Oscar of the Fianna to be healed by the healing hands of Fionn Macool. And when he saw this, Dalar Dorva, once the eldest of nine brothers, and now the only living son of Garth, he finally broke He rushed across the ships, hull to hull, all over Ventry Bay. He dashed in a sprint until he got to the beach. And then he stood there and he made his vow of vengeance. Send me a hundred men and I will kill a hundred a day until Every last Irishman is dead. Buoyed by their recent victory, 
The Fianna sent forth a hundred men to face this one warrior. But they had no idea what was in store for them. Smirking, the king of the world watched. Dalardorfa fought like a wild lion. He slaughtered a hundred warriors of the Fianna. And there was no wound on him at all. After the fight, he showed them his feet. He took off his battle dress and put on bright and elegant clothing. And he took up his kamon, his hurley and his slither, the ball. Standing on the western side of Ventry Bay, he drove the ball all the way to the east, right to the end of the strand. And then he ran after it. And he was so swift that he caught the ball before it landed. He dropped the slitter then to his foot and tapping it from foot to foot and running still as swift as the wind, he ran the length of the beach from east to west and back to east again. And then with his foot, he kicked the slitter up so it landed on his shoulder. And he bounced the slitter from shoulder to shoulder. And he ran from east to west, back to his starting point. And all the while he ran, bouncing the slitter on foot or bouncing the slitter from shoulder to shoulder, he ran as swift as the marsh wind. And he called out to the Fianna to produce one who could do the same feat as himself. The Fianna had to draw straws to find out who would face this warrior. None of the brave and the fierce and the usually fearless many of the Fianna wanted to face this man, Dullardorfa, because they knew anyone who would face him would die. Despite being wounded from the previous fighting, Oshin and Oscar both drew lots. Oscar wanted to draw the short straw, but did not. Today, others would have to face him. Others would die while he rested. He still could not sit still, so Oscar went to Fionn wanting to persuade him to at least let him to have a go of this fantastic hurling feat so they would not lose face in front of the armies of the king of the world. But Fionn held him back and pressing his thumb between his forefingers he said, There's only three men who would be able to do that feat. One was Ku Cullen. One was his father, Lou, and one, well, he is yet to be born, but he will be from Connacht. Besides, you're still injured, Oscar. Sit down. With that, 
They watched as the men who drew the short slots, all one hundred of them, go down to Dullardorfa. They watched and saw Duller laugh as he looked at them. Dullardorfa then threw down his own weapons and ran in amongst of the hundred bodies. He picked up the first man that came at him by the ankles then, and using him as a club, he crushed and beat the rest of the hundred warriors into a bloody pulp that mixed into the sand by his feet. Throwing down the bloodied ankles of the man he had once held, he watched the Fianna watching him and laughed once more. Dullardorfa still had no wounds on him. Still, after all of those he had killed, he picked up the hurley and ball once more, repeating that great feat, running the length and breadth of Ventry Bay, showing a dizzying display, daring the Fianna to send him another one hundred men to kill the next day. <laughs>